Our God is an awesome God. Shout to the Lord all the earth and let us sing. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say. It is well, it is well with my soul. Waymaker, miracle worker, Jesus. Good morning, church. Good morning and welcome to Riverside. Whether it's your first time here or your first time here in a long time, we're so glad you're here and so grateful you chose to worship with us today. If you're watching online, thank you for joining us. It's such a joy to be able to gather in this place with all of you and to worship to worship together. I'm so grateful for that chance and so grateful every time. I, I wasn't with you last week. My friend Joe Von Barrington was here and he did a wonderful job. If you missed that, I invite you to go back and listen in. He brought a tremendous message. Today, though, I'm glad to gather with us as we continue this series that we, we're simply calling Jesus Music. This series is all about songs of faith that have meant so much to so many people of faith uh, over the years. And whether you're here this morning and you've been a believer in Jesus for a long time, or you're here today and you're not sure what you believe about Jesus, I want to invite you to, to lean in and to listen in. And, and really, I want to begin today by leaning into that, that question. Because a lot of people struggle with faith. And a lot of people have doubt. So what do you do when you struggle with faith? And what do you do whenever you have doubt? Back when I was in college, uh, my first couple of years of college, uh, some of my friends, friends from church, we decided we wanted to take a road trip. Uh, I grew up and I was living in Montgomery, Alabama at the time. And we had heard about this conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma called the Tulsa Soul Winning Workshop. Now, some of you know what that is. You've heard of that. Some of you have no idea, and that's totally fine. I have no idea how we heard about this. We were on the other side of the Mississippi. Uh, we had no business coming to this thing. We were too far away and should have done this, but we, we thought this would be a fun thing to do. So we loaded up a van and made the road trip all the way to Tulsa. It's a, it was a conference for church leaders, really, not really for us, but for church leaders to come to be encouraged, equipped, to come and to, to, to be able to go home to their churches and bless their churches and reach their neighbors for Christ. We came and we were blown away. We loved it. The worship was amazing. The speakers were great. And then, then our, I'll never forget discovering that at this conference, like, like a lot of conferences, right, they had this entire room dedicated to vendors, people who, who had resources for church leaders. And there were books and music and resources and all kinds of things for, for, for people who, who, who did this kind of thing. And I walk in and we're just, you know, amazed by all of this. And I'll never forget walking up to this one table, seeing something that would change my life for the rest of my life. What you may not know about me is that back when I was in college, like the people I looked up to, um, the, the, the heroes of faith in my life were people like Zach. Like, like I thought when I grew up, you know, I want to be like Zach. I still think that some days. But I, wanna, I wanted to grow up and I wanted to be a worship leader, a song leader in church. I thought those people, they were the coolest. You know, I just thought they were amazing. And, and I, I could sing. I couldn't sing like Zach can. Zach can sing like a bird. I couldn't sing that good. But I could sing good enough that I was able to, to do that from time to time at our home church, you know, and it was amazing. And, 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 there, and back in those days, you know, some of you remember this, we didn't have screens there were no projectors, there were no words uh, behind the, the person leading the songs. There were songbooks. 
And there were these, the, these hardbound books in, the, in the, the pews that you would grab. And, and, and the, the guy leading the songs would stand up and say something like, turn to song number 490. And everybody would pull out a book. You know, you'd hear all of them come out at one time. And the pages are flipping and turning, you know, getting to the, the song you're looking for. And finally, everybody would get there. And then we would stand and sing. And it was awesome. So I'm coming up to this, 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 this one vendor at this conference. And he's selling songbooks. And there was a brand new songbook out. This was exciting stuff. Some of you don't get this. It's fine. But it, it was exciting stuff. Churches were buying the, the songs of faith and praise by the caseloads, right? And, and every song leader would wanted this new songbook, but they would have a, a hardbound version of the songbook. Well, when I walked up to this table, I saw a leather-bound copy of the songs of faith and praise. You should have more excitement right now. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, there you go. It was exciting stuff. And I thought, I'm going to use whatever money is in my pocket. I'm skipping my meals for the rest of this conference. And I'm buying this leather-bound copy of the songs of faith and praise. And from that day forward, whenever I stood on stage to lead the church in worship, Zach, I was very proud because I had the, nobody else had this. I had this leather-bound copy of the songs of faith and praise. And this songbook, like a lot of songbooks, it's filled with literally hundreds of songs. Written by men, women, people of, you know, different races, different tribes. Songs that have meant so much to so many people through the years. Songs of faith, songs of worship, right? One of those songs is song number 490. And I'm not sure if anybody has a clue what song number 490 is. But in this song book, song number 490 is the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Now, how many of you, this particular song has meant a lot to you in your life of faith? Yeah. It is well with my soul. This song was written by a man by the name of Horatio Spafford in 1873. And the song behind this story is, is really well documented. Horatio and his wife, Anna, they lived in Chicago. They had survived the, the Chicago fire of 1871. Their, their home was unharmed. Their family was okay. But like a lot of people, they had felt the effects of the fire. In fact, Anna had suffered from smoke inhalation to the point that her doctors suggested, hey, you guys, y'all may need to take a trip. You need to change, you know, get into a different climate, get into a different place and rest and recover and heal. And so Horatia and Anna, along with their four daughters, had planned a trip to Europe. They were going to set sail, get across the Atlantic, you know, breathe in some of that salt water, you know, just have a trip to get away. And they were planning to travel together. But at the last minute, their plans changed. Horatio was a, a pretty successful businessman. And at the last moment, he had to stay back to finish up a transaction, a real estate transaction. But he told Anna, you guys go ahead. You guys go ahead. I'll be on the next boat right behind you. I need to stay back a couple of days and wrap up this business deal. And then I'll be on my way. So in 1873, Anna and their four daughters set sail in the luxury cruise ship, the SS Ville du Havre. I hope I said that right, Blair. It was November the 22nd, early in the morning, when tragedy struck, when their ship collided with a British ship, and in less than 12 minutes it sank. It happened so fast that the crew was unable to deploy the lifeboats. 226 people died. Only 47 survived. One of those people was Anna. When she got to Wells, she sent a telegram back to her husband. 
And the first line of the telegram said, saved alone, what shall I do? Their four daughters died. Annie, Bessie, Maggie, and Tanetta. Annie was 10, Maggie was eight, Bessie was five, Tanetta was only two, and they were all lost at sea. As you might imagine, Horatio was on the very next ship across the Atlantic to see his wife. And as he was aboard this ship crossing the Atlantic, there came a point where the captain, captain of that ship summoned him, Horatio, to his quarters. And, and he said this, he said, a, a careful reckoning has been made. And I believe we are now passing the place where the Ville du Havre was wrecked. And, and as soon as Horatio heard that, he left the captain's quarters. He returned to the deck of the ship. And as they're sailing across the mid-Atlantic, he took out a, a piece of paper it was a piece of stationery from a hotel that was near his place of business. He often went there for meetings. He had a piece of stationery from this hotel and he began to write down these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot that was taught me to know, it is well, it is well, with my soul. And for the last 150 years, these words set to music have become a song that have resonated with so many people, so many of you, so many of us, dealing with grief, with unimaginable sorrow, with pain with questions, the kind of questions that, let's be honest, don't have answers. For a lot of people, the lyrics to this song have, have, have helped them, right, through some of the most difficult times in their lives. And what's really interesting to me is, is it is well with my soul, and this particular songbook is, is song number 490. But the song before it is a song that, quite frankly, I've never even heard of. I don't know how it goes. But song number 489 is a song entitled, Is It Well With Your Soul? It's a question. And I think if we're honest, it's the question everyone's asking, right? Is it well with your soul? Really? And we live in a world where I think for most people, the resounding answer to that question is no. No, it is not well with my soul. And the problem is, for a lot of us, at least for the church in general, is that we've been, we've been trying to answer a question that no one's asking, right? We're trying to answer the question. We, we want people to know, hey, there's a God who can forgive you of your sin. But, but let's just be honest. No one's asking that question right now. The question they're asking is, is there a God? And if there is, does he know what's happening in the world right now? Does he know what's happening in my life right now? Yesterday I was at the mall with my daughter, and that's another story for another time. It was nuts. But let me tell you, walking around that mall, it was jam-packed with people. Nobody was asking, will God forgive me of my sin? But I bet you every single person in that mall was wondering, is there a God? And if there is, does he know my name? And does he care? This is the question that everyone's wrestling with. Is it well with my soul? No. 
Not really. Not really. The problem is we've got more doubt than faith. And the problem with doubt is that it leaves us without hope. And if you want to know what a world looks like without hope, you know, just look around. So many people are walking in with so many doubts. And because of that, they have so little hope. And it's a struggle. But this struggle, and you know this, the struggle is not anything new. In fact, the struggle with faith is as old as faith itself. If you have your Bible or if you have the YouVersion Bible app, I want to invite you to open up to Psalm 22. Uh, the Psalms, when you think about the Psalms, you probably think about these songs of faith, these songs of praise, these songs of worship. And some of the Psalms are that way, but a lot of the Psalms speak to the grief and the pain and the sorrow and the unanswerable questions that we have in life. Psalm 22 was written by a man named David. David was a shepherd boy who would later become the king of Israel. He was known as a man after God's own heart. But if you know David's story, then you know that he was far from perfect. And I want you to hear how Psalm 22 begins, this Psalm of David. It begins with these words in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Let's just push pause right there for a moment. Does that sound like a song of praise? Do those sound like the the words of a faith-filled person? For some of you, those, those words sound incredibly familiar, but you may be a little bit confused because when you hear these words, when you hear the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? You don't think about David. You don't think about the Psalms. What you think about is Jesus. Because these are the words, these are the exact words that Jesus spoke from the cross some 2,000 years ago. Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? And maybe you've wondered when you've read that, when you've read those words that Jesus spoke from the cross, you may have wondered, why did Jesus say that, right? Why did Jesus think God was forsaking him? Why did Jesus think God was abandoning him. And, and someone somewhere along the way probably told you, well, it's because that at that moment, Jesus was hanging on the cross and he was bearing the sin and the shame of the world. And, and God can't be in the presence of sin. God can't be where sin is. So God had to turn his back on Jesus so Jesus could bear the sin and shame of the world, your sin and my sin. And Jesus died there on that cross all alone for you and for me. And that sounds nice. It's not true. Sounds nice. The truth is that God actually can be in the presence of sin and sinners. And if you've never heard that, I want you to hear that today. And you may say, well, how can you say that? How can you know that? Well, it's actually, it, it's, not, it's not hard to figure out because Jesus is the son of God. He is God the son. He's fully divine, fully God. He's also the son of man, fully human. And Jesus came from heaven to earth And Jesus spent every day of his life on planet Earth in the presence of sinners and sinful people. In fact, one of the strongest accusations against Jesus, the Son of God, who was also the Son of Man, was that he spent his time, most of his time, with the worst of sinners. God can absolutely be in the presence of sin and sinners. In fact, it's in the presence of God where your sin is forgiven and you are healed and you are made whole. So why did Jesus say from the cross, these words of David from Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Well, it may be helpful to remember that the Psalms were the prayer book of Israel, right? But they were also uh, the song book of Israel. And every little Jewish boy, every little Jewish girl, from the time they're born, they begin learning and memorizing and knowing every line to every psalm, every, every verse to every song. They would pray these prayers. They would sing these songs. And they knew every one of them by heart. And, and it, you, you know what it's like, right? When someone sings the first line of a song and then it triggers in your brain, you know, what comes next? Like, so, you know, we're still waiting on football season. Basketball has ended. All that's happening right now is Major League Baseball. And so let's just do a little experiment. If you guys would participate, help me out so I don't look too strange up here. Uh, I'm going to sing the first line. You sing the next line. You ready? Take me out to the ball game. You got this. Let's try one more just for the, just for the fun of it. Sweet Caroline. So you know how this works, right? I sing one line, you sing the, the next line. When Jesus, watch this. When Jesus from the cross says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's triggered in the hearts and minds of every person there in the crowd that day around the cross, the very next line of the song. And what is David, the psalmist in Psalm 22, what does he say after he says, what does he write after he writes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Look at verse 3. Yet... You are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you. And what did you do? You rescued them. They cried out to you and they were saved. They trusted in you and they were never disgraced. The very next verse in this song that everybody in the crowd knew that day speak to the faithfulness and the goodness and the saving grace and the rescuing nature of our God. And you see this back and forth all throughout Psalm 22. These questions, these doubts in the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of fear, these, these questions that don't have answers. And then this reminder of the faithfulness of God. It's as if, watch this, it's as if Psalm 22 is asking the question that Psalm 49 asks. Is it well with your soul? And if that's true, watch this. It's as if the very next song, 490, the very next psalm, Psalm 23 answers with this reminder that David also writes in the very next psalm that the Lord is my shepherd and I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. You, you prepare a feast for me while I'm in the presence of my enemies. And you honor me by anointing my head with oil. And so my cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, yes. Yes, it, it is well with my soul. Whatever my lot, whatever I'm going through, you have taught me to say it is well. It is well with my soul.
Some of you, I mean, you know. I don't have to get up here and talk about it. You know. You know what it's like. Some of you are going through it right now, right? Unbearable pain, unspeakable grief, sorrow, doubt. You're barely holding on to faith, and you're wondering, what, what do you do when you struggle with faith? What do you do whenever you have doubt? And, and I want to let you know that there's more to Horatio and Anna Spafford's story. After Horatio crossed the Atlantic to see his wife, they returned to Chicago. And while they were there, they had three more children. They had two daughters and a son. And they named their son Horatio after his father. But their son Horatio died as an infant from scarlet fever. More pain, more sorrow, more unanswerable questions. So after that, in 1881, Horatio and Anna decided they needed to, they needed to go. And they were going to go on an extended pilgrimage to the Holy Land, to Israel, to the place where Jesus walked. And so they go to Jerusalem, and they decide to buy this little place on, along the wall of the old city right there by the Damascus Gate. And watch this, almost immediately they became known as the Americans who would welcome anyone in. No matter your race, your religion, it didn't matter. Like if you needed something, if you needed someone, if you needed a place, you were welcomed here in this place where these Americans lived. Their Christian faith led them to live a life where they, they welcomed all kinds of people into their home. Eventually, they had to... It became such a ministry, they had to leave this home. They kept it, but they left it and go outside the, the old city walls of Jerusalem. And they, had a, they bought a new place, a larger place, where they could walk, welcome even more people in. And this, this continued on into World War I. At one point during the war, they were serving soup to more than 400 people a day. And that place, if you were to go to Jerusalem today, you would see that place Today it's known as the American Colony Hotel. And what's amazing about it is that it's one of the finest hotels in all of Jerusalem. It's a place where people from all over the world travel. It's a place where people from, like world leaders come who have divergent viewpoints. They come to this place to find common ground. And that home they had along the old city walls by the Damascus Gate, they kept that. And they used it as an orphanage to serve children. And to date, they've served uh, over 30,000 children at the Spafford's Children's Center in Jerusalem, along the old city walls by the Damascus Gate. So here's what I want you to see. Out of all this loss, pain, and grief, what Horatio and Anna did was they decided. They decided to, in spite of this doubt, right, to lean in to the hope they have in Christ, to serving their neighbors, and to helping orphaned children. Now, I don't know about you, but, but I think there's something there, right? In our times of 
unbearable loss and unspeakable pain. What if, what if we turned to the hope we have in God, to loving our neighbors and to serving those in need? In the middle of their loss, they turned to love. And whenever you sing those lyrics, it is well with my soul. I think this is what you're saying. You're saying what I think Horatio was trying to say as best he knew how. That in the middle of the questions, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the sorrow, in the middle of the doubt, in the middle of all of it, I choose to believe in a God who is greater than my biggest doubts. I choose to believe in a God who is greater than my greatest questions. And that's what faith is, isn't it? Faith, faith isn't the absence of doubt, right? Faith is the presence of hope. Faith is the presence of hope and it's the choice to believe in the middle of the uncertainty, in the middle of the fear, in the middle of the doubt. Faith says, in the valley of the shadow of death, here's what I believe. I believe like David believes that you are with me. You are with me. Whatever my life, that was taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. And if you're struggling with faith today, then I just want to invite you. I want to invite you to do what Horatio and Anna did, to choose faith, to lean into hope, and to find a way to serve someone around you. If you would, church, let's stand. I think if we're honest, the reality is that sometimes it's hard to believe. If you've ever been in the middle of it, and most of you have, and if you haven't, you will, if you've ever been in the middle of those moments of tremendous grief and sorrow and pain and heartache and hurt, you know sometimes you got questions that don't have answers. But, but what if we did this? That's what I want you to think about. What if we chose in the middle of all that to look to God, to lean into hope, and to find a way to serve those around us? Here's what's amazing is what happens when we do that is then our lives, just like their lives, become a testimony to the grace of God. We become a witness to the grace of God in our lives. And all of a sudden, we begin to show the world around us what it looks like when the God of the universe is walking with us. What happens is we become a, a witness to the fact that God does know and God does care. And here's the promise of God. The promise is not that he's going to protect us from all the bad things that could possibly happen. The promise is that he's going to be right there with us, come what may. And that's the better that we never walk alone. And as we do that, we become these shining stars in the universe. As we do that, our lives become a living example of what it looks like to walk with God. And as we do that, we find the hope and the faith that we need. So we want to sing this song together, and I would invite you, I would invite you to sing out to sing out of the pain, to sing out of the grief, to sing out of the sorrow, and to express the faith, the hope, and the love that we have because of Jesus.